0: Of the Lawful and Unlawful Usury Amongst Christians by Wolfgang Musculus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Preface Amongst other evils of this present time, also pestilent usury is so far grown, and towards the vengeance of God that i may think it altogether in vain to speak anything against it yea though it were spoken with much earnestness and singular endeavour for we have known by experience that this evil did then specially increase when as in our time it began to be openly blazed and reproved by the preachings and writings of godly learned men that almost even as the disease of the canker after cutting groweth and spreadeth more hurtfully than afore so after just and deserved reproving is this become uncurable and most noisome. Wherefore I might well be thought to lose my labour, and, as it is said by a proverb, to wash tile stones, if I were not bonded by promises and forced by letters of my brethren. Therefore, that I may in any wise keep promises and please my brethren, I will so far speak of usury as may be profitable unto them that be godly, and as yet not so much infected with this pestilent disease, as is past all hope. I know at what times and by what persons there have been disputations concerning usury, not only in Germany, but also in the schools of other countries, but I will not meddle with scholarly shreddings, that be as fast entangled one with another as the nature of usury itself is enwrapped together. But I will simply utter those things which are meet to be spoken, without any cumbrous contention. First I will tell what usury is, and then that it may be seen, if it can be lawful unto Christians, I will confer it with the doctrine of Christ, and with the profession of Christian religion. Of the lawful and unlawful usury. Wolfgang Musculus. What is usury? Lest any man might accuse me as a maintainer of usury, I will bring a definition of usury, not now devised of myself, but long ago set forth by them whose godliness in Christ's church hath gotten such authority as cannot be rotted out by usurers or by their defenders. Jerome upon Ezekiel in his sixth book doth write thus, Some men think usury to be only in money, the which thing godly scripture foreseeing doth take away the overplus of everything, so that you mayst not receive more than thou hast given. Also other, for money put to usury, are wont to take little gifts of diverse sorts of things, and they do not understand that the scripture calleth usury and overplus, whatsoever thing it be, that they take more besides that which they did give. These be Jerome's sayings. Ambrose of Naboth saith, Many fleeing the precepts of the law, when they have delivered their money unto... Merchants do not exact usury in money, but of their wares they take in value as of usurers. Therefore let them hear what the law saith. Thou shalt not take usury of meats, nor of any other thing. Therefore meat is usury, and apparel is usury, and whatsoever cometh to the stock is usury. And what name soever thou wilt give it, usury it is. So saith Ambrose augustine also upon the thirty-sixth psalm defineth usury after this sort if thou commit usury to a man that is to say if thou lend thy money of whom thou lookest to receive anything more than thou hast given not only money but anything more than thou hast given if it be wheat if it be wine if it be oil if it be any manner of other things if thou look to receive more than thou hast given thou art an usurer and in that to be disallowed thus saith he therefore according to these men's sayings usury is not only to take but also to hope and look for anything besides that which is called the stock that is to say besides that which is given under what name soever it be cloaked for the change of the name doth not take away the wickedness of the vice which abideth and it is evident in the eighteenth of ezekiel that that is usury whatsoever is taken besides the stock when as the prophet saith he lendeth nothing upon usury he taketh nothing over For, as De Kimi doth well declare, what it is to lend upon usury, it is expounded by that which followeth, where it is added, He hath taken nothing over. And so is it read in the 25th of Leviticus, Thou shalt not take of him usury, and anything over, but thou shalt fear thy God. Thou shalt not give him thy money upon usury, thou shalt not give thy meat to receive more over. Also Caesar's laws in the book of usury In like manner call usury whatsoever is taken besides the stock, howbeit they suffer the use of it after a sort, of the which we shall speak afterwards. It is called usura in Latin, because of the use of money a certain recompense is received, whereby there returneth some vantage unto the usurer. The Grecians call it tokon, as a childing or generation of the money stock. In Hebrew it is named neshech, of biting, because at the last it biteth him which payeth vantage. Thus much is now said to show what usury is, whether usury be lawful or not. We do seek here to know not of usury, of usuries which the Jews do use, of the which no man doubteth, but that it is unlawful and abominable, and in no wise to be suffered, but of simple usury, by the which more is taken than given, whether it be much or little, whether it be done in money or in other things. For this usury some men suppose not to be unlawful of itself, but accept it to be made unlawful by unlawful circumstances. I deny not that there may be found a kind of usury which is not unlawful but profitable, such is that usury which is called earth usury, by the which much more is received than was by sowing to the earth committed. This usury doth he give which giveth unto all men all things, and yet notwithstanding hath nevertheless, that usury is so given, that it hurteth nothing the giver, and much profiteth the receiver, and is not to be condemned of covetousness, but rather by reason of great goodwill and excellent well-doing, is much to be praised. Behold, here is a kind of usury for the lawful, profitable, and godly, by the which Abraham and Isaac became rich, by this sometimes thirtyfold, sometimes sixtyfold, and sometimes an hundredfold, without sin is both given of God, and also received of man, this usury did our forefathers much use which now is reckoned vile and forced to give place to the damnable usury of money and there is another certain usury by the which without any sin a man may take an hundredth for one this christ himself in the stead of his father as a surety doth promise unto his faithful saying and every one which shall leave house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or sons or fields for my name shall receive an hundredfold and possess life everlasting matthew nineteen behold another and a heavenly kind of usury unto the which we be called and not feared from it but i pray you see how many there be which set their minds to the gathering of heavenly riches with so great gains By these examples of usury is it proved not to be unlawful of itself to restore more than thou hast received, or else to receive more than thou hast given, but whether the same sort of usury which in our time hath the upper hand, and of the which at this time we speak, have the same reason, that the usury of the earth, or the heavenly usury hath, by the which God himself is the greatest usurer of all other, this now must be spied with simple and pure eyes they which defend customable usury do devise many things which they may show forth and whereby they may be bold to say that it is not unlawful they bring the law out of the book called the codes in the treatises of usurers by the which is permitted yea ordained the hundredth and the half of the hundredth etc and they think that the authority of the civil law maketh that which they do either not to be usury or if it be usury not to be unlawful usury we answer that the lawmaker was forced of necessity not to defend usury but to set some stay of exceeding covetousness the which thing the text of the law itself proveth for it taketh away great hurtfulness of usury and appointeth certain measures over the which nothing may be claimed his desire was without doubt that such charity might prevail among christians as should leave no place unto usury but for because that covetousness did grow past measure he judged it needful that it should be kept in by lattices or rails and therefore he cut away the hurtfulness of usury even unto the midst of it wherefore the law doth not maintain usury and make it lawful but rather witnesses that charity among Christians was waxen cold, and most filthy and abominable covetousness grown so far that it must be kept under by the authority of the emperor. And so, as the law of divorce made by Moses did not excuse the Jew afore God, which used the law as to be guiltless of breaking wedlock, likewise this civil law doth not make usury so lawful that a Christian man may use it without offence afore God as christ spake unto the jews of the law of divorce it was not so from the beginning and for the hardness of your hearts moses did suffer a bill of divorce and so sent them back unto the first beginning of lawful wedlock unto the which they ought to conform themselves even so in this case or cause of usury we christians must look unto the pureness beginnings righteousness and equity of christian religion which is to be seen matthew five and luke six and we must not look unto the civil laws for they are not made for christians which have no need of civil laws to the end that they thereby should be stayed from their covetous desire lest that they break and leap over the border of measure for they are so guided by the spirit of love that they love their neighbour heartily and are ready to bestow upon him not only their money but if need be even their life also whereas this love prevaileth there can be no place for any covetousness nor there is no reason or cause for any such laws to be established by the which covetousness may be measured. Wherefore the mind of the lawmaker was not to maintain him which in lending requireth usury, but to provide for him that borroweth, lest that because he is oppressed with need he should be forced to borrow money, and then by the unsatiable covetousness of usurers he should be utterly pilled and spoiled, when as charity is so cold that he can find none that will lend freely without usury, wherefore that law made by a christian emperor concerning usury is a plain proof that love of neighbours was waxen cold to the great shame of the christian name and so it is far from excusing of usury in any such sort as to make it lawful christians are in case partly by the inward guiding of the holy ghost and partly by the light and authority of god's word to be called from all those things which displease god so that they need not by any constraint of emperor's laws either to be forced or feared. Civil laws do not forbid all things that be unlawful afore God, and what things they forbid not those things they punish not. Howbeit thereby it cannot be proved that all things are lawful afore God, which are not forbidden unto us by civil laws. They do not forbid anger, indignation, impatience, envy, hate, pride, evil lusts, covetousness, and such other as the apostle calleth the deeds of the flesh and saith that they do shut out of the kingdom of god all those that have such minds wherefore no man that doth any such thing is therefore excused afore god because he is not condemned by any civil law again the civil laws do not command all those things that are requisite unto true righteousness no civil law commandeth faith hope love of god and thy neighbor patience in adversity, gentleness, meekness, lowliness, and modesty, etc., whereupon, notwithstanding, no man should suppose that he is not bounden unto these, because that if he be otherwise disposed, he is by no civil laws condemned. Furthermore, they suffer some things for certain causes, which that notwithstanding afore God be unlawful, and by God's word are condemned. They do suffer them not as in themselves right and lawful, but that worse things may be shut out and displaced so thus far also they suffer usury that a measure of covetousness may be limited they do not punish whoredom nor take not away the stews yet thereby no whoremonger is excused afore god nor that of the apostle is not made of none effect hebrews thirteen wedlock is honorable and holy but whoremongers and adulterers the lord shall judge Likewise all those threatenings which in holy scripture condemn usurers be not therefore made of none effect, because they be not condemned by civil laws, but the end of civil laws is to be considered, and we must not think that they are made to make men righteous before God, but to keep men somewhat in a tolerable order, living together, and that the malice of man should be restrained within some border these would i knit up in few words for an answer unto them which by the pretense of civil laws do so defend the usury of our times that they deny it to be unlawful afore god how a man should lend according to the doctrine of christ for as much as in this place we demand whether that usury be lawful or unlawful not afore the world but afore god and that Therefore the pretense of civil laws, or of any ordinances of man, can have no place in this question. The cause of Christian profession constraineth us to hear even Christ, God's Son, and to learn out of His mouth how Christians should lend, and not sin, in the sight of the Lord. For of this ought we to be well persuaded that no thing can be lawfully done which striveth against the doctrine of our Saviour. Wherefore we must consider how usury agreeeth with Christ's word." but first i do protest that i speak not unto the children of this world but unto faithful men which be persuaded that the doctrine of christ is so godly and containeth such a rule of true godliness and righteousness that all they must needs displease god which do not heartily yield and apply themselves unto it matthew five thus we read look not from him that would borrow of thee and luke six lend looking for nothing thereof If you shall lend, from whence ye hope to receive, what thanks have you? For sinners lend unto sinners, that they may receive like. By these words Christ did teach his, how they ought to behave themselves in this case. He putteth a difference betwixt them and the children of this world. First he commandeth that they do not deny him that would borrow. Understand so, that there be ability for to lend. For he which hath not himself, how can he be able to lend unto others? he doth not permit and suffer unto his which have the substance of this world a liberty to lend or not to lend that is to say he showeth that there are strangers from the kingdom of god and from true righteousness belonging unto the children of god which deny to lend unto him that needeth and asketh therefore he warneth his that they do not that if they will belong unto him and be in the number of god's children this commandment the children of this world do not acknowledge nor are not thereto forced by civil laws but they will be at liberty to lend or not to lend and they do not think that they sin if they do deny him that asketh when as they may help him wherefore if we have pleasure in the profession of christ's religion we must take heed to be otherwise minded than they be It is a sin great enough if we deny our help unto him that would borrow. But truly it is far too much if, like as infidels, we do not believe any sin to be done of us, when, as upon a brother that would borrow, we do not best owe the duty of charity, as though those were trifles that Christ saith, Deny not him that would borrow of thee. They say, These are no commandments, but counsels. Unto the Jews it is commanded plainly, Deuteronomy 15, after this manner, If one of thy brethren, which dwelleth within the gates of thy city, in the land which the Lord thy God shall give unto thee, come unto poverty, thou shalt not harden thy heart, nor pull in thy hand, but thou shalt open it unto the poor, and lend that which thou seest he needeth. How then can it be that Moses' law should have more perfect righteousness than the gospel of Christ, and that we may freely do? Here there is a lacuna in the text leave undone the work of. Here there is a lacuna in the text. Which thing was not free unto the Jews? And then also, if it had been spoken instead of a counsel, deny not him that would borrow of thee. How is it meet for Christians that Christ's counsel so earnestly given, they may cause to be taken up or down, to or fro, and to think that it being condemned shall not be punished? He saith, I speak unto you which hear, therefore they, that will be hearers of Christ, are bound to obey his counsel, and they cannot wind themselves from it without sin, and loss of their salvation, even as the sick cannot neglect the counsel of the physician without the damage of their health. But in the twenty-fifth of Deuteronomy it is manifest that they sin contrary to God's will, which deny a brother asking to borrow. Lest that, saith he, he cry against thee unto the Lord, and it becomes sin unto thee, afterwards christ prescribeth unto his how they ought for to lend lend saith he looking for nothing thereof the which many so understand that no profit no lucre no gain besides that which was lent should be looked for and received and this is that which is specially required of him which desireth to keep his hands clean from unpure usury but that is not the full meaning of christ which requireth of us by this place that we also lend unto them of whom we cannot hope to receive anything at all which doth sufficiently appear by the words that he addeth when he saith if ye shall lend whereof ye hope to receive again what thanks have ye for so sinners do lend unto sinners to receive like see he saith not to receive usury over plus somewhat besides the sum that was lent but to receive like Wherefore also here he putteth a difference betwixt his and those that do not belong unto him, for he requireth his not only to lend without profit, seeing that sinners do that sometimes, but also with their own damage and loss of lend-money, to help their neighbour and brother, and so to lend, that they may purchase unto themselves favour of God. Therefore here is a difference to be made betwixt the heathen and the Christian. The heathen lendeth first unto those that be able to restore that which they have received, then unto those which sometimes have lent or be able to lend, thirdly unto friends and kindred, fourthly unto those of whom some kindness may be looked for. By these kinds of lending sin is not committed, howbeit as yet the righteousness of the kingdom and spirit of Christ is not expressed. Wherefore they that be Christians do thus lend, first unto them that be not able to restore, then unto them that never did lend anything, nor cannot give again, Thirdly, not only unto friends, but also unto enemies, not only unto kinsfolk, but also unto others and strangers. Fourthly, whereas no thanksgiving, much less any recompense, can be looked for, and in doing these things they declare themselves to be indeed his children, which bringeth forth his son over the good and the bad, and reigneth upon the thankful and unthankful, which also Christ requireth of his, saying, that ye may be the children of your father, etc. Bring therefore unto this rule of christian righteousness those which lend upon usury and see how far they be from the rule of christ's word which is so set unto all christians that except they do conform themselves unto it they ought to be reckoned among sinners and not among god's children yea they be not so just as sinners for so much righteousness is attributed unto sinners that they lend without usury and that they desire to receive nothing in the stead of lucre but only that which they did lend therefore by this conference we which look unto the righteousness of christ's kingdom unto the prescription of christ's word and unto the profession of christian religion may easily judge how unlawful usury is unto them which have yielded themselves unto christ and would be taken to be christians it is not belonging unto us to judge others it belongeth to a christian to answer to his profession and not otherwise to judge of things whether they lawful or unlawful but according to the prescription of christ's doctrine and not so to behave himself in the trial of righteousness as afore a worldly judge but as in the sight of god that he may be quit of unrighteousness wherefore agreeably with holy scripture and christ's words we conclude that that usury which marvellously in this last time hath grown in the church of christ is not lawful but damnable and very far from the profession of christ's righteousness How wicked a thing usury is, to be seen in itself any man may easily judge except only such men as think the savour of lucre to be sweet, of what thing soever it is gotten, the eyes of whose minds be utterly blinded with the love of covetousness. First the vice of covetousness hath ever been judged most vile not only amongst Christians but also amongst heathens, and that is the rot of usury. Take away the love of money and covetousness, and we shall have no usurers in Christ's church. Secondarily, who doth not see how wicked a thing it is to hunt for gain, gotten by the labor and sweat of others? For usury which is given cometh not of the care and travail of the usurer, but of him that payeth, fuenus vantage. Thirdly, this is far from equity, that the usurer, without any loss or danger of his money, receiveth lucre, so that he is in danger of no damage, whatsoever chance of the dice cometh, but the miserable man which payeth usury is forced to bear the loss of misfortune and chance. He hath all the hurt that happeneth, the usurer hath no thing but the gain that is taken, and the stoke that is saved. Fourthly, this is also, moreover, that how great usury, and how many years soever the debtor payeth, yet notwithstanding the whole stock remaineth, and is nothing lessened, or worn by occupying, but how sore these things do grieve the mind and decay the ability of the payer i need not to give any advertisement seeing by experience the thing is evident when he that is in such case perceiveth that this pestilent evil cannot be overcome then being utterly discouraged he forsaketh wife and children and leaveth what other goods soever he hath unto the unsatiable, violent covetous usurer so one samuel twenty two We read that they did which oppressed with debt, conveyed themselves unto David, an exile. Such sights, when as magistrates wink, godly men behold daily afore their eyes with sorrow and sighing. And that which is most grievous in the same season, when as such usurers ought to have no place among citizens, then do they enjoy honours in the church and in the city. But the usurer replieth, It is, saith he, common in every man's mouth, He that is willing hath no wrong. I send for no man, I force no man to take money of me. They come of their own accord, they take my money, and do not ask it of any other condition, but only of usury. What do I in this case offend? Let them leave me my money to myself, if the damage of usury be so grievous unto them. I answer, these are the sayings not of a Christian man, but of a very heathen, yea, of him that hath no mind of man. Need is a sharp shaft. These wretches, forced by need, come unto thee, of whose wretchedness thou cruelly and filthily takest thy advantage. The usurer replieth again, But when, as they conceived money of me upon condition of usury, they were glad, and did give thanks, what injury can this be, which causeth gladness and thanksgiving? I answer, that these wretches rejoice and give thanks, not because they do feel a benefit, but because they suppose that by this damage of usury they may ease the grievous necessity which doth oppress them presently surely they desire rather simply to borrow money than to take it upon usury but for because so great inhumanity prevaileth that they can nowhere find such liberality as lendeth freely they are glad to take money upon usury but this kind of gladness at the last turneth into greatest heaviness and when they flee from charybdis they fall into scylla from the roke into the gulf Chrysostom doth well compare this gladness of taking usury money unto the biting of a serpent called aspis, for even as he which is bitten of the aspis doth gladly fall asleep, and by the sweetness of deadly slumber dieth, because in sleeping the poison passeth to every member, so he that taketh money of the usurer is presently glad, as though he had a benefit, howbeit usury, having speedy passage to all that he hath, turneth all into debt and Cato the elder, being demanded what it was to take usury, answered, The same that it is to kill a man. Thirdly, they which seem to have some taste of Christ's gospel do bring that, not by thee which they may amend themselves, but by that which they would cloak their ungodliness. But all the sum of the law and the prophets, as Christ witnesseth, standeth in this, that what I would should be done unto me, the same I do also unto others." unto myself i would wish no other condition but for one hundredth florins to repay every year five what sign is it for me then to take so much of others for i myself take upon this condition so oft as need is so many i give to others and again so many i take of others I answer, it is most ungodliness to abuse Christ's word which are so compared to maintain not covetousness but brotherly love. Thou, as is evident, dost the same to others which thou requirest of others. If thou do this of a charitable spirit, set thyself in the place of the poor and needy, and clothe thyself with the affection of his need, thinking what thou, being in his case, wouldst that the rich should do unto thee whether that they should lend unto thee with usury or without usury. Undoubtedly thou wouldst rather without usury, for that should be more profitable unto thee than if thou shouldst be burdened with chargeable usury. Wherefore that saying of Christ, do unto others as thou wouldst that others should do unto thee, that must thou understand to be so spoken as what thou wouldst wish do unto thee, being in such case as thy neighbour is, the same must thou do unto him, with the same friendly loving affection, with that which art minded towards thyself. Search thine own conscience, and judge indifferently whether thou mayest say truly that thy poor needy neighbour is so loved and helped of thee, as thou placed in his case wouldst be loved and helped of others. Wherefore, seeing thou canst not truly say this of thyself, what availeth it deceitfully to dally with the saying of Christ our Saviour? also thou givest usury unto others and takest of others i hear this and i beseech thee tell me for what cause thou givest and for what need for the same for the which they do give of whom thou takest no no they bear the damage of usury forced by need thou bearest no damage but for hope of greater gain not for need but for covetousness givest five for an hundred to gain ten fifteen twenty and thou so givest and takest as many sacrificing priests are wont to offer a halfpenny, to keep up in the church the gains of offering, and to provoke the people to offer by their example, and by the way for laying down one penny they take up ten. So very well do usurers and simoniacs agree, because they are both carried by one spirit of covetousness. Fourthly, when, as the usureth feeleth himself in a strait, and seeth no way to defend usury, he turneth towards other arts, and saith, If usury be such a thing, and I do sin if I take, then I know what I will do. I will lend no part of my money unto any man. I will keep it unto myself, lest that I should be an usurer. I answer, This is that escaping of usury, for the which the emperor's laws would not utterly forbid usury. Wilt thou keep thy money to thyself? Afore the court of the world that is lawful, but it is unlawful afore the court of Christ, by whose commandment thou art bound not to deny him that would borrow of thee, but to lend, looking to receive nothing. Wherefore, if thou doest either of these, thou declarest thyself not to be a Christian. Whether that thou withdraw lending unto thy brother, who asketh when thou art able, or whether that thou so lend as to take again, thou sinnest alike both against Christ and against thy next brother. If thou lend nothing at all, thou sinnest not in usury, howbeit, that rot of usury which is covetousness thou nourishest in thy heart and art a transgressor of Christ's word. If thou lend upon usury, then thou sinnest against the commandment of Christ, and to be short, as much as lieth in thee, thou destroyest thy neighbour as well by not lending as by lending upon usury. If thou withdraw lending, Thou art worse than a heathen sinner, for sinners do lend unto sinners that they may receive like. If thou do lend for usury, so art thou worse than many heathen, which by the law of nature keep themselves from that vice. Fifthly, the covetousness of the usurer will reply after this manner, if I lend without usury, that which is mine own cannot be restored unto me, for the poor hath nor so much that he may render again the whole sum. But if he shall give every year a certain usury, then some part of my money shall be restored unto me. I answer, Thou knowest the poverty of thy brother to be so great, that he cannot render the borrowed money. Why then dost not thou yield unto the words of Christ? By the which, Luke 6, he saith, and your reward shall be great in heaven, and ye shall be the children of the Most High. And Luke 14, and it shall be rendered unto thee in the regeneration of the righteous. How dost thou receive nothing, when, as for earthly gain, here there is a lacuna in the text, which lasteth ever, shall be rendered unto thee? Therefore this pretence is utterly contrary unto Christ's religion, which teacheth even therefore to do good unto the poor, because he hath nothing to give again, that the heavenly reward may be purchased and thou, even for the selfsame cause, wilt not lend unto the poor, because he hath not so much as to restore that which he hath received of thee. Therefore, either thou dost not believe that Christ's promise is true, or else thou dost more desire temporal gain than eternal, earthly than heavenly. Sixthly, all that I have, saith he, I have gotten with great care and travail. Wherefore, then, should I bestow them upon others in vain? What is it to me that others do not so take heed unto their own as I do? What owe I unto them? I answer, Christ bestowed no small thing redeeming thee upon the cross with his blood, and for thy sake he became poor to make thee rich. Then what is it to Christ that we take no better heed unto our salvation? And besides thee, what thou owest unto thy brother, hear the apostle, ye owe nothing unto any man, saith he, but that ye love one another. Romans 13 thou owest therefore unto thy needy brother love and also unto god thou owest thyself and not only money wherefore because christ hath loved us and given himself for us therefore we ought to bestow our lives for our brethren 1 John 3. we do much fail in this thing that without the affection of true love we look upon the slenderness and humility of our brethren and not rather upon the will of god and his manifest commandments albeit i keep in silence the unmeasurable worthiness of our free redemption Is the poor man unworthy, unto whom thou shouldst give freely? But Christ is not unworthy, which requireth this of thee. The poor hath not deserved this benefit, Christ hath deserved it. Is not the poor able to restore that which he receiveth? Christ is able to restore an hundredfold, and to give life everlasting, as he also hath promised. Matthew 19. Sixthly, because covetousness is the most toughest wrangler, the usurer as yet replieth, saying, How should I live, how should I provide for me and mine, if I must so lend that I receive nothing? I answer, it is said of the Lord, first seek the kingdom of God and the righteousness thereof, and all these shall be cast unto you, and the Gentiles seek all these things. Therefore neither doth this, here there is a lacuna in the text, waywardness belong unto Christians, neither ought we to fear, lest that by helping needy brethren we do not well provide or see to our own things. For thus we read Proverbs 11. Some distribute their own, and become richer. Some catch that which is not their own, and be ever in need. The soul which blesseth, that is to say, which doth good, shall be filled with fatness, and he which giveth drink shall be satisfied with drink. And Isaiah 58. Break unto the hungry, saith he, thy bread, and the needy and wanderers lead into thy house. When thou seest the naked, clothe him, and do not despise thy flesh when as thou shalt have poured forth thy soul unto the hungry, and refreshed the afflicted soul, then shalt thou be as a watered garden, and as a well of waters that never fail. And the Apostle, to Corinthians 9, He hath dispersed and given unto the poor, and his righteousness abideth for ever. He which ministereth seed unto the sower will also give bread to be eaten. Therefore a faithful man should not fear falling into poverty by helping them that be poor. Howbeit, I would not damn it if the Apostle's saying might have place, so that the abundance of the rich should help the lack of brethren. 2 Corinthians 8. But if of necessaries there were not so ready giving unto others, that might be tolerable, so that the weakness of faith be not excused, but confessed. But who can allow this in the church of Christ, that in so great riotous waste of all things lack, is not feared, but whereas that neediness of brethren should be relieved, there it is feared. If we followed that, here there is a lacuna in the text, rule which is written, 1 Timothy 6, after this sort, having what to eat, and wherewith to be clothed, let us be contented. Little place should remain unto this fear. Nature, as he saith, is sent away with a little, but gluttony beggeth unmeasurably. See the honest labour be exercised, idleness avoided, riotousness laid aside, and the abuse of all things shut forth and we shall be without care under the protection and providence of God, and there shall be no need to fear the necessity of penury. Now, when as so great costs are bestowed upon proud and beautiful buildings, upon riotous apparel, upon all manner of dainty meats, howbeit I speak not of innumerable other things not necessary, what marvel is it that poverty is feared if the gain of usury should fail? surely he must stand in need of many things which feedeth and cloveth those that be his most deliciously and gorgeously he standeth in need of many things which is purposed to leave great riches upon his heirs he that needeth many things useth also many means by right and by wrong to come to his purpose these things being taken away it will not seem very hard neither to cast away these detestable usuries, neither by any means to succour needy brethren of the usury of them which give their money for usury either unto merchants or unto princes hitherto we have considered that usury by the which the poor is bonden unto the rich and the goods of the bare and needy are supped up and of that kind of lending by the which christ commandeth us to succour needy brethren Now must we speak of those which have money by inheritance, or gotten otherwise, and lend it unto rich men, merchants, or princes, upon condition to receive every month, or every year, some usury, the stock in the meantime abiding whole, to be restored, when they will call for it? Here springeth a question, what sin is committed in this kind of usury? They say neither is burdened, neither is he that getteth, nor he that taketh usury, but by good provision they have both profit. He that giveth usury doth use his stock well, and gaineth so much of it, that without any loss he can give usury. On the other side, he that taketh usury of his money, he gathereth, as it were, a yearly fruit, without any decay of the stock, which by these means he may reserve whole unto his heirs. When, as therefore here is no hurt, how can here be any sin against charity? And there be none, how may this usury be called unlawful? I answer, that this must needs be granted that there is not so great sin in this kind of usury as in that by the which usury is taken of the poor which cruelty is forbidden not only by the laws of christ but also by the laws of nature for it is plain cruelness to seek after lucre out of the labours and calamities of the poor wherefore this usury of the which we shall speak now differeth much from that which by no means can be tolerable howbeit in the mean season It is not to be supposed that there is nothing which can be reproved in the usury of rich men, for the righteousness of a Christian man doth not rest in that he doth burden no man in any bargain or business, wherefore we must see which be the circumstances of this usury, for the which it may not be commended. First, this I suppose is sure, that there is in both, as well in him that giveth, as in him that taketh usury, a respect of private profit for neither the one for brotherly love lendeth out his money unto a rich merchant but for to receive of it yearly or monthly gain nor the other is so ready to give usury as he would give it if he could keep it with his own advantage for as he saith the love of money groweth as much as the money itself groweth notwithstanding he giveth usury without wrangling lest that he should be forced to restore the whole stock or to be noted of evil credit there be many notable examples of this matter therefore seeing that the rot also of this usury is the love of private profit i do not see how it can agree without blemish unto christians which ought to be furthest from love of private profit let no man seek those which be his own saith the apostle but those which belong unto others the love of private profit with the loss of others is so evil that it ought not to be suffered amongst the gentiles and to gape for gain although it be without damage to others Yet is it a thing of itself that ought to be far from Christians, even as to live delicately and idly, although a man do so live, not hurting nor hindering others. Wherefore, as they sin which live delicately in the houses of princes, of noble and rich men, albeit they feel or perceive no hurt of it, so a Christian man sinneth, coveting private profit, albeit he go so about it, that he seek for his own gain, not of the need of poor men, but of the wealth of the rich moreover he that taketh usury must take good heed whether he serve his own lack of belief or not for it is not enough for a christian man so to deal with his neighbour that he cannot complain but he must also consider what faith he hath towards god and how all things which he doth agree or disagree with sincere faith and to come to the trial of this matter let him think in himself which taketh usury that it is better to take to himself his own money, and to put away the gain of usury. But if he fail in faith, then shall he soon fall in these thoughts. If I should live not upon usury, but upon the stock, it could not sufficiently discharge my necessary expenses throughout all my life, and then what could be left after my death unto my children and successors. Whereupon should they live, if I should spend all? But these be thoughts not of faith, but of mistrust, and arguments of a mind so given to usury, that he supposeth no way it can be for him to live, if he must forsake usury. But they make this objection, that the Lord must not be tempted, as though it were a tempting of God by sure trust, according to God's word, to hang upon his providence, and to forsake that kind of living, in the which men live idly, seeking by usury to have all things necessary. If it be a tempting of the Lord not to live upon usury, what excuse is there for so many godly fathers, prophets, apostles, and others, both of the Old Testament and of the New, as did rather suffer poverty and hunger than embarrass vantage of usury? Doth Christ teach this to tempt the Lord, when he commandeth them not to gather treasure unto themselves, and to lend, looking for nothing thereof? To tempt the Lord is to trust unto the Lord, Whereas nothing is promised of the Lord and to neglect the trades of living and doing which He teacheth and to use other, but I find nowhere that the Lord hath promised to nourish and keep us by usury in idleness, wherefore this is rather a tempting of God to live in idleness and also to consecrate children unto idleness, and then to trust that money yielding yearly usury can be able continually to give them enough, lose through not only for necessaries but also for superfluous pleasure wherefore also their reason is but vain which to cloak their usury say when as for usury i do commit my money of trust unto others then do i let it forth to danger for it may chance that the merchant which useth my money about his merchandise business either by misfortune or else by his own negligence fall into poverty and so my whole stock be lost wherefore while fortune favoureth it is not far amiss that i take usury of him so as the usurer tossed in uncertainties, and casteth his goods into jeopardy, far unlike unto them which, trusting to God, occupy themselves honestly. Gammon also jeopard their money in uncertainty, and yet no wise man doth allow the love of gamining in a Christian man. After this sort, when, as they will not be such as tempt God, they confess by word and deed that they cast their money into uncertain success and dangers, when they let it forth for usury, and so they tempt God. Thirdly, thou shouldst consider how that rich merchant or prince behaveth himself which payeth thee usury. Thou thinkest it is a sufficient excuse for usury that he is not so poor as by paying of usury to hinder himself. But if thou make a good reckoning, thou shalt perceive besides these other things to be considered. But if he labour, by the abuse of thy money, to get riches either into pride and riot, or else unto the practice of tyranny and wars, to lay waste and oppress other countries, and also his... Here there is a lacuna in the text. Then, I pray thee, how canst thou glory that thy taking of usury is blameless, seeing that, for it, thou art made to serve other men's sins in making thy money subject unto such men's lusts? Thinkest thou that thou mayest freely let out thy money unto any use, so that it be done to thy known gain? is not money letten out of usurers the greatest cause of riotousness daily increasing in this our age of pride more than is amongst the heathen of shameful idleness of many thousands of so many bloody wars and spoiled subjects if thou be a christian man how canst thou keep no reckoning of these things there is as it were a certain conspiracy betwixt them that give and them that take usury for they lay their labours together whereby they serve on either side, their own gains or affections, and so they join together one with the other to commit sin. It is a heavy thing if any man alone and by himself do sin, but how much more weighty ought it to be thought, if any man for private gain do so bestow his diligence towards his neighbor as to nourish him also in his naughtiness. Fourthly, also, this is to be considered, how this kind of usury letteth the works of charity as concerning that money which that usurer hath unoccupied and needeth not to be bestowed upon any necessary household affairs that it do not remain idle and unfruitful but that he may take some profit of it he supposeth that it ought to be let out unto some use therefore he letteth it forth unto usury and this way he thinketh that he doth well provide for his own profit but i beseech you when shall he being of this mind help his neighbours round about him that be poor and needy. That which he taketh up of usury, he appointeth partly unto necessary uses, and partly unto the gain of usury, to increase his stock yearly by such gains as he can get. Whereof can a man think that he will give unto the poor? Whereof will he freely and without usury lend unto the poor that asketh, of that of the which he findeth himself and his? No, I suppose. Wherefore should I give, saith he, unto others, that which I need myself?' Paul saith, that your abundance may fill up their want. Here is no abundance, all that I have is necessary. I must take heed to beautify this estate which I received of my ancestors. I must regard my name and my honour. I must, as mere is, keep my wife and children not beggarly and barely, but liberally. Here is need not of a little and common sum of money, but of a great and notable. Will he give of that which he appointeth unto usury? No, no these he thinketh be holy things not to be touched what then remaineth but that in such a man that works of charity be suppressed by diligence to get money especially if this usury be thought not unlawful so that a mind possessed with love of money can be nipped with no feeling of sin but as in a lawful matter thinketh there is no danger And so we hear these answers, when, as anything is asked to be borrowed of such men, I would lend, say they, if I had money in a readiness, but at this time I have no money, wherefore he must be content, albeit so I lend nothing. So they neglect and excuse a deed of charity, but why have they no money at hand? Therefore, because part is appointed unto household and daily charges, part to enrich and increase the stock and hereof we see it cometh off to pass that they which be so minded upon usury do not out of hand pay the hire which they owe neither unto smiths neither unto tailors neither unto shoemakers but suffer it certain years to grow into great sums lest that they should be constrained to cut off any portion of money belonging either unto usury or unto the family howsoever those workmen unto which they be indebted in the meantime be at home with need oppressed What thing can be devised worse than this is? Therefore, if those be well weighed which I have heretofore recited, that is to say, how this usury is the here there is a lacuna in the text of private profit, and serveth incredulity and mistrust unto such abuses as money let out unto usury serveth, and how that the deeds of charity be destroyed by desire to gain money. I think that it is evident enough that this usury which is exercised amongst rich men, as though it were lawful, cannot be allowed of them which know what is required of the professors of Christian religion, which bear such a badge of brotherly charity, and of contempt of riches earthly, that without them they cannot be counted to be Christians. Of the Usury of Widows and the Fatherless They that be tutors either of widows or of the fatherless, move here a question concerning such money as is not their own, but remaineth by inheritance unto widows and orphans, whether it be lawful for them to let out that money unto usury, and deliver it to be used of them, which without their own hindrance may yearly repay some usury. They say the money is not ours, but we be trusted with it. That which we do is not for our own gain, but for the widows and fatherless. Wherefore, we are not in this to be blamed, as though by taking usury we seek our own, for we seek not our own, but the profit of others, widows and fatherless, and so we fulfil the work of charity, and we do as we are bonded by promises unto them. I answer, I know that this was a custom amongst our fathers, afore pestilent usury had defiled the church, and that was permitted unto widows and orphans, which was permitted unto none other. All usury was called evil, except that of widows and of the fatherless, at the last all the gates were opened unto this evil and gain of usury granted to any man but how well widows and orphans were provided for the corruption of the times following doth evidently witness there could have been brought no evil more noisome into the church of christ by the which afterward the goods of widows and fatherless began miserably to be wasted for when as the fire of usury hath eaten up all the wealth of a family after the death of the father of the family what remnant remaineth unto widows and fatherless that may be let out unto usury should it not have been better for the provision of widows and of the fatherless if liberty of usury could nowhere have had any place among christians Now, because gain of usury is crept in under the pretense of widows and orphans, unto them cannot come of the usury of these times any so great gains as hurt and hindrance that is sprung out of that sufferance of our ancestors. Furthermore, it is evident enough by reason of that sufferance that usury was not therefore suffered unto widows and fatherless, because it was lawful, for if it had been taken as lawful and faultless, wherefore should there have been any sufferance and permission, but for that which was unlawful unto others, was thought that, in such sort, it might be suffered unto widows and fatherless, when, as charity, the mother of all liberality, began in the church not only to wax cold and fruitless, but utterly dead and vanquished. But, and if the Apostle's precept concerning widows, 1 Timothy 5, had been kept, certainly they might fare better, and more Christian-like have been provided for, than by sufferance of unlawful usury." If a young woman were a widow, she should be occupied with some honest labour, and being of a base stock, she should be either a waiting or a bond-servant unto her ancients until such time as God did give good occasion of convenient marriage. If she were old, she should live simply of her own, so long as her own goods did last, and after that they were spent, she should be found of her kinsfolk, or, if they were not able, then should she live upon the church's goods, according to the custom of the apostolical church when as at the beginning of the growing of the church by faithful contributors church goods were laid together how were they then disposed they were divided according unto every man's need and were not let out unto usury for gains that simplicity did well agree with faithful christianity and did much commend that charity by the which badge christ's scholars are known but now in this usurer's world and season how faithfully the need of widows and fatherless is provided for it is by over many examples daily declared howbeit that usury might easily be suffered by the which it is thought that the need of widows fatherless and poor hospitals be provided for if the confused heap of other usuries and unlawful bargains might be utterly taken away either by the authority of god's word amongst them that will be taught to fear god or else by the power of the magistrates which ought in these assemblies summoned by the emperor not to be least regarded if as is pretended so there be indeed any seeking of the reformation of christ's church Wherefore it is hardly to be wished that if all usury cannot utterly be banished out of Christ's church, yet at the least that this usury be not suffered by the which the substance of poor men be miserably contrary unto Christ's charity pilled and piked, yea supped up and devoured i mean that usury which the rich doth require and take of him whom he knoweth to be unable to bear the hindrance of usury and unto whom through the affection of true love according to the sentence of christ our saviour he ought either by giving or lending to stretch forth his hands not to spoil but to help against this kind of usury the canonists have appointed certain penalties besides god's punishment which the usurers deserve first that they be noted of infamy with infamy of the law, and that also by the civil law, as well as by the canon law. Furthermore, that they be not admitted unto the communion of the church. Thirdly, that they be imbarred of burial belonging unto Christ's church. Fourthly, that their testaments and wills be of no effect by any law, with many others such kinds of just penalties. But these have remained in papers, and in the mean season, usurers in the church have honours, with unlawful gotten goods and such unshamefastness hath prevailed unpunished that many magistrates princes and other great personages do give liberty unto the jews in their dominions to exercise not only simple usury but also that which is named usury of usurers and they do not only give license but they also let out houses and bargain with them for certain exaction what they shall yearly pay for liberty to exercise usury, and most unrighteously they force their subjects to be bound to pay such usuries. And here is settled that bishop-like correction which pardoneth ravens and plagueth doves. But here we make an end of this consideration of usury, for, as I said of the first, it might well be thought great folly to be much occupied in such a matter that, being like unto the gout, can be helped by no hands of any surgery, this evil is waxen so big that after the admonition of many good men it is become uncurable for it hath corrupted even the crowns of the heads of those which ought by their authority to have withstand such corruption and to have kept and ordered the other lower members in the trade of true righteousness it is christ's saying if the salt be unsavoury what shall be seasoned therewith also ye are the light of the world if the light which is in you be darkness how great shall the darkness of the body be there remaineth nothing else but that we look for the hand of the lord which soon shall remove out of the church all kind of corruption the lord come at once and deliver his amen end of of the lawful and unlawful usury amongst christians by wolfgang musculus